If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to the book of Mark. It's been a long time since we've heard those words, but if you would join me in the New Testament book of Mark, we are in chapter 6 this morning. We will start in verse 30. Now, I will have you know, a few months ago when we stopped our time in the book of Mark, I had no clue that when we picked it back up and looked at a picnic with Jesus, that our church would be having a picnic that afternoon. But God has his ways. And so if you are not aware, let me share with you even now that after we have this picnic with Jesus, we're going to have a picnic with each other. And I hope you will join us for lunch afterwards. It's going to be a great time to fellowship with the Lord. But we are back in the book of Mark, where Mark is presenting to us Jesus as our king. What it looks like to live with him as our king. And we're going to see a great picture about Jesus. You know this story, brothers and sisters. You've heard it so many times. But I want to challenge you. You may not know the story like you think you know it. You may think you already know what there is to know about this. This, in fact, is a little bit different than the way we traditionally present this story. There's no little boy bringing his lunch to Jesus in this passage. This story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 is not about what you bring to Jesus. It is about what Jesus brings to you. With all that in mind, let's read verses 30 to 44 in Mark chapter 6. This is the word of the Lord. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Right now, we have a national maybe even global shortage 
on everything. I was just reading yesterday, if you wanted to bring some Rice Krispie treats to the picnic later on, you might be in trouble because we have a national shortage of Rice Krispie treats. If you wanted to put some lemon pepper or paprika on your meal today, if Jesus wanted to put some lemon pepper on his fish today, he might have trouble finding some lemon pepper in the grocery store because we have a national shortage on spices. From plywood to computer parts, you can't find what you are looking for today. What does that say? With all of our advancements, with all of our wealth, with all of our power, we are not God. Jesus never runs out of anything. The gospel never runs low. It's what Jesus is showing us in this picnic, brothers and sisters. If you come to him, if you come to Jesus, you cannot ask Jesus for more of him than he can give. Brothers and sisters, read that sentence again, and I want you to think about it in your own life, because as simple as that is, that is something we do not always believe. If you come to Jesus and pray, you cannot ask for more than he is able to give. There's three words that I want you to take home from the picnic this morning. When Jesus is done, there's all kinds of leftovers, 12 baskets full of bread and fish. And today, we got some leftovers too. I want you to take home three words from this story. The first word you can take home from the picnic is compassion. Compassion. Verses 30 to 34. Let's read those verses again one more time. Mark says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place, and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. If your rest time or your vacation time gets interrupted, how do you feel? Moms, if you finally get a chance to get away for a second and somebody comes knocking on your door asking for something in that five-minute window that you have to yourself, how do you feel? Brothers, when you plan a vacation or a trip to the lake to go fishing, and you get that phone call right before you leave and you find out you can't go? If you look back in Mark chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, the disciples are sent out on a journey, on a trip to preach, to heal, to minister, to serve. And then here in verse 30, they, they come back to Jesus and he offers them a chance to recharge. He offers them a time to rest. Verse 31, he says, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place 
and rest a while. There's only one problem. And it's the same problem that we see almost everywhere in Mark. Crowds. The people. Jesus is so popular. They're following him everywhere he goes. And when Jesus gets off the boat at the desolate place, the people are already there. And the retreat turns into a rally. The vacation turns into another mission trip. Can I be honest? I am really glad that I am not one of the 12 disciples. If I were one of the 12 disciples, this passage would have a really embarrassing scene about how I handled that. Because if you interrupt my vacation time and my rest time, I'm going to let somebody know about it. I am thankful that Jesus did not pick me as one of these 12. But what about Jesus? Verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. No frustration. Compassion. No annoyance. Tenderness. That word compassion is an intense word. It literally means Jesus felt it in his gut. He was sick to his stomach about this people's situation and their need. Ultimately, Mark is showing us as Jesus as the one who cares. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter tells us that we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, what draws out this compassion? Why does he respond to the people like this? It's not because of something in them. It's not because of something they bring to the picnic. It's not because of something they bring to the table. If you keep reading in verse 34, he says, he shows compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Even though the people of Israel had plenty of priests, they had plenty of rituals, plenty of teachers, plenty of lawgivers, they were leaderless. They were like sheep who wander the fields aimlessly with no help, no direction. As David Garland writes, they were spiritually starved and no one in Israel seemed to care. But Jesus does. And he shows his overflowing compassion. I really, 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 really want you to see this. This is one of those things you probably haven't seen before in this passage. How does Jesus show compassion? If you keep reading in verse 34, he teaches them many things. Before Jesus feeds the crowd a single loaf of bread, he feeds them the word. Luke chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus tells the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. This is a leftover, a topic for another day, but how do you know a shepherd cares? He feeds the word. How do you know Jesus cares? And some of you need to hear this. It's been a hard time, a hard season, lots of us going through things. And it's really easy to question God, question who he is, question what he's doing, and question if he cares. 
How do you know in those moments Jesus cares for you? He's proven it countless ways, but I want to give you one of them. You know Jesus cares because he's given you his word. You know Jesus cares because he has supplied a buffet of teaching for your soul. You know Jesus cares because he has given you ample opportunity to eat with him. When Jesus is moved by the crowd, he teaches them many things. Look at how much Jesus has put on your table. Look at how much Jesus has provided. There are more meals in here for you to eat than you will ever be able to eat. And so, friend, listen, we question, does God care? Does God care? Does he know what I'm going through? Really what the question we should be asking is, do I care that he's fed me what I need? And am I willing to sit at his table and eat what he has given me? Jesus has proven that he cares for you with his word. Too many times we wander through life and go through trials and we just want Jesus to skip to the miracle. We just want to get to the point where he, he multiplies the bread and fish and feeds the 5,000. But Jesus wants you to sit first and let him teach. That's why you need to be like the psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 28. He writes, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And if you come to Jesus this way, he is not going to tell you no. You can't ask for more compassion than Jesus can give. Jesus promises this is who he is. In Matthew 11, verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from, <laughs> learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ cannot change. And this good shepherd who feeds his people still feeds his people today. If you come hungry, you, can't, you cannot ask Jesus for more mercy and tenderness and compassion than he has to offer. There's a second word I want you to take home from the picnic today. Power. You don't see that word in the text, but you see it everywhere in the text. Verses 35 to 41. Mark says, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now, if you like short sermons, you wouldn't have liked Jesus. If you just want to get a quick little devotional talk, pep talk, you wouldn't have wanted to sit and hear Jesus preach. We, are, we see that Jesus taught them many things, and the disciples, they're getting a little frustrated. They're getting a little perturbed. 
After the crowds interrupt their retreat, the disciples, notice, they interrupt the revival. Jesus is up there teaching the crowd many things. Amazing things are being declared by the Son of God. I mean, they would do well to sit down and learn themselves, but the disciples think they know better, and they interrupt Jesus as he's teaching and say, shouldn't they go get some food? I mean, they say to Jesus, you brought us all the way out here. There's no fast food anywhere nearby. It's almost dark. Tell the people they need to go. Jesus drops one on them. What does he tell them? You do it. If they're hungry, take care of them. Feed them. You got this. And the disciples look around. I mean, they go, they go to Judas. They, they check how much money's in the money bag, and they come back to Jesus, and they say, do you know how much money that would take? That's like seven months of salary just to feed these people. Do you think, Jesus, that this little ragtag group has that in the budget? Let's not be too hard on the disciples. They're not wrong. It's a lot of people that need to eat. And people need to eat. Somebody should have said amen on that one. And it would be a lot of money. Listen, if, the, if this church had a business meeting to discuss this, nobody's getting a picnic. But what do the disciples get wrong? In all of their math, they forget to calculate Jesus. They forget to include him in the formula. And if it's been a minute, but think about all that we've seen in the book of Mark and all that the disciples have seen in the book of Mark up to this point. They've seen Jesus deliver people from unclean spirits. They've seen Jesus restore a man's withered hands back to full strength. They've seen Jesus make a lame man stand up and walk. They've seen Jesus calm the winds and the waves with the words of his mouth. They've seen Jesus bring a little girl back from the dead. But as soon as too many people show up for a meal, all of a sudden things are too big for Jesus. John MacArthur writes, they're so focused on the problem and the need for a practical solution, they fail to consider the divine power of the Lord. Now, how many times do you and I do that? How many times have you done that this week? So focused on the problems you've got going on and so focused on the need to figure it out that you forget who you have on your side. What problem in your life right now seems bigger than Jesus? What problem is causing you to hyperventilate, to panic, to go into this hyper-anxiety because you are treating this issue, this problem, as if it is greater than the Creator. Now, can I help you see this, brothers and sisters? That is functional atheism. You may claim to be a follower of the Lord, but by your life and your anxiety 
you are walking as if God is dead. Remember who the Lord is. Remember who Jesus Christ is. Repent and believe. Hebrews 1, chapter 3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Brothers and sisters, Jesus not only cares, Jesus is the one who can do the impossible. Jesus can take your impossible situation and do more than you can expect. And he doesn't need a whole lot to get it done. He doesn't need a lot of resources to fix your problem. He doesn't, not, he doesn't need a lot of talent from you to get it done. He doesn't need a lot of money to get it done. Jesus is able to get it done because he is God. There's an Old Testament story worth reading here. This story that Jesus feeds the 5,000 should send us back to one of the prophets, Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. We're going to put that story on the screen for you. The writer tells us, A man came from Baal Shalashah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits. Notice, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in a sack. And Elisha said, Give it to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. It was a miracle of God's power on display. But numbers... And these two passages are significant together. In 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha does something great. What does he do? He takes 20 loaves to feed 100 men. But then we get to the New Testament, and what does Jesus do? He feeds 5,000 men with five loaves. Jesus is better. And people are having a picnic with the one who created all things by his word. Brothers and sisters, whose spirit lives inside of you? You don't have the spirit of Elisha. You have the spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you. You have the spirit of the one who rose from the grave living inside of you. When you have a creator who cares about you, empowering you, living inside of you, what exactly is too hard for him? What can he not do? Let me remind you what we heard last week. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Think about all the ways we could apply this truth. That we could really believe in God's power, brothers and sisters. Whether it's in our personal lives or in our church life or in this world at this point in history, we got to keep the power of God in the equation. We can't keep doing math and leaving Jesus out. 
Jesus did not need an army to change the world. He needed 12 weak, uneducated disciples. Jesus did not need the shortcut Satan offered him in the desert. He needed a cross. Jesus does not need a church full of zeros on the budget. Jesus will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. How many of us believe that, brothers and sisters? Or how many of us expect things to happen the worldly way, where things make sense, where the numbers add up, and how many of us expect God to step into the equation and do things that are impossible? to use our weaknesses for his glory. That's why 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul said, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Brothers and sisters, maybe you don't see God's power in your life because you think it's going to happen through strength and through ways that make sense. God's power is not going to show up in your life that way. God's power will show up when you're ready to let him use your weakness. And it may not come the way you expect, but you cannot ask Jesus Christ for more power than he can give. I got one more word for you to take home. You still got your basket open, you can put it in and take this with you to chew on the rest of the week. We not only see compassion and power from Jesus, we see satisfaction. Look at verses 41 to 44. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Nobody leaves that picnic, goes home, and makes a midnight snack. Nobody even makes dinner. They, they probably don't even eat the next day. They eat so much, they are satisfied. Word satisfied means completely full. They are done. They are content. They are fulfilled. Jesus is like grandma. Everyone at the table is finished. Everyone at the table is hurting, grabbing their stomachs, wishing they hadn't had that second piece of pie. And grandma is coming into the dining room and putting more food on the table. That's how Jesus works, brothers and sisters. That's how Jesus serves. That's why Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I'd really like for you to hear me on this, because in this season, it's really hard to forget. We get down, we ask God to help, it doesn't come the way we think. We get more down, we ask God to help, it doesn't come the way we think. And it's easy to think about God the wrong way. Hear me. You cannot ask Jesus for more joy than he will give. You cannot ask Jesus for more satisfaction than he can give. 
Jesus wants you to be satisfied. There's a, there's a catch. Brothers and sisters, if you're struggling to find joy right now, is anybody in that situation? You don't have to raise your hand. Are you struggling to find satisfaction? Are you struggling to find peace and fulfillment? Can I make a suggestion? You're struggling not because you're hungry. You're struggling because you're hungry for the wrong thing. You're hungry for the wrong person. Where are you looking right now for satisfaction? Where are you turning to for joy? What do you think you are missing out on that will make things whole and make things better? Brothers and sisters, repentance, when Jesus says repent and believe, means that you and I need to walk away from what we think will satisfy. You can't have Jesus and that. We've got to turn away from these things. But if you rest in Jesus, he will overflow your cup. You won't want anymore. You will be satisfied. That's why Isaiah in chapter 55 verses 1 and 2 says, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Buy and eat. Come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is, does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Is that how you see God? Because that's how God speaks to you. Get the good stuff. Eat more than you think you can. Enjoy me. Listen to me. That's why John Piper famously writes, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. This picnic is not the last meal where Jesus shows us all these things. This picnic is not the last meal we see Jesus' compassion and power and satisfaction on display. There's two more. Have you thought about them already? The first meal that this picnic sends us to is communion. In verse 41, every verb that is used shows up at the Lord's Supper. Jesus takes the bread. Jesus blesses it. Jesus breaks it. And Jesus gives it. Mark is already pointing us to the night Jesus is betrayed to remind us when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember the good shepherd who cares for us so much he laid down his life for the sheep. At the cross, brothers and sisters, Jesus took the power of God's wrath upon himself against our sins, and three days later, he rose from the grave to show his power over our sin, power over our deaths, and is a power to offer us an eternal life of satisfaction and joy forever. That's why John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Can I ask you, no matter how long you've been in church, have you ever experienced that kind of satisfaction? 
Do you know what it's like to never hunger? Do you know what it's like, no matter what your situation is, to never thirst? Have you got to that point like Paul who's able to say, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content? Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel is no matter who you are, Jesus will welcome you to his table. All you have to do is turn from the ways you've tried to find joy somewhere else. From all the ways you've tried to find satisfaction in somebody else and find joy in him. Sit under his word. Sit under his authority as your king and as your shepherd. Trust him to do the impossible. And that's what salvation is. Jesus does the impossible by taking sinners and making them righteous. When you trust in Jesus, he will make you whole. He will make you holy. He will give you life forever. Enter into his compassionate grace and mercy and joy today. Brothers and sisters, if God is speaking to you, you have this hole in your heart that's never been satisfied. Do not turn away from this picnic. Do not turn away from this meal with Jesus. Do not turn away from your opportunity to find the joy that you are after. Come to Jesus today. When you belong to him, we have another meal. We have another meal on the way. Revelation 19 verse 9. John says, the angel said to me, write this, blessed, satisfied, are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Are you going to be at that picnic? Do you have that hope in your life? No matter what you're facing today, one day you're going to be at the marriage supper. Did you hear those true words? Blessed are you. Happy, satisfied, joyous are you right now. There's no ifs. There's no qualifications. There's no exception clauses. Blessed are those who are invited to this meal. Think about what it'll be like on that day. How about this? When we get there, eating with our king, I guarantee you this fact. No matter how hard you prayed, no, how many, no matter how many nights you wept and begged God, you will never ask him for more than you receive on that day. You will have more compassion and power and joy and satisfaction than you're going to know what to do with. Your cup will be overflowing. Beyond all Jesus does for you in this life, brothers and sisters, we are going to have endless baskets of leftovers forever. You're not going to sleep, but every day you're going to have more satisfaction more to eat in his presence, more joy than you're going to know what to do with. But can I help you, brothers and sisters, one way really quick? You don't have to wait. 
Jesus said, I have come to give them life and to give it more abundantly. And he wasn't talking about the marriage supper. He was talking about right now. All this moaning and groaning and complaining and wishing we could just get there is not from God. We don't just have resurrection life tomorrow. We have resurrection life today. All this bitterness and impatience and grumpiness, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. And it doesn't matter how hard your life is. It doesn't matter how hard the day is. It doesn't matter how challenging the persecution is. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. We ought to look like we're having a picnic with Jesus. Taste and see the Lord is good. As Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is present. You will never go to Jesus' storehouse and find the shelf empty. You won't go shopping with Jesus and find out that he's run out of compassion. That's good news, right? Because I, look, you mess up this week, guess what? Jesus has compassion for you. And if you mess up today, he has compassion for you tomorrow. And if you mess up this week and come back to church on Sunday, he's got compassion for you then. And just because Jesus showed his power in your life a long time ago, doesn't mean he's going to stop today. Friends, just because the circumstances are what they are, doesn't mean Jesus is limited in showing his power in the church today. And no matter how much you talk to yourself and convince yourself that what you're going through is too ugly, too hard, too broken, too big for God, Jesus has more joy for you than you could ever ask. Try him. Put it to the test. He will never run dry. As the writer of Hebrews closes his letter in chapter 13, verses 20 to 21, I pray this blessing over you. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray.